Festival here, beautiful San Francisco, March 2nd, 2020. It's home free. Home free. Uh, this is actually Rachel Pinson's idea for a podcast. I don't know where she is. She might be looking for, I, she, I don't think she lives in her, her, in her house, in her van <laughs> down by the river. Uh, but today's podcast is comedians who have been homeless in the past. Uh, or have been um, home challenged, and I am joined by John Garside and Sharon Berzer. Warhol Kaufman is also coming in. He's also uh, has had precarious living situations. Hey, welcome to Home Free. Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. Yeah, jump on into a okay. into a microphone, and and we'll hear the the stories of. Now I've heard that you're not a real comedian unless you've lived in your car. You gotta get real close to that one or take I gotta get real close? Yeah, yeah. Intimate almost. Yes, yeah, there you go. In- intimate, like when you live in a car with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Super intimate. Uh, Sharon, what's your been your experience with uh with comedy and living in a car? Have you lived in a car with comedy? Um, not for comedy, but um there was a precarious time, like in early two thousand as a a new chiropractor where I lived in a tent. A tent? Yeah, it's holistic. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was by choice? No, no, no. Okay, no. Okay. It, yeah. we, 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 were, we were on a mission, my, oh. my ex and I, emphasis on ex. And um, so we were like uh, tooling around in uh, San Diego, living in a tent for a while. Where uh, I I know San Diego pretty well. Uh, where where were you living in San Diego in a tent? Um, there's like a, a little park there in uh, uh, I think it's Buena Vista. Buena there was Vista. A, a park um, where they had uh, places you could camp, and also like uh, have your horse. Wow! So I had a palm, which is slightly smaller than a horse, but um. But she loved it. Wow. She, she was the best camping dog ever. So, so it was more camping, but you had to live there. It was like there was – so you didn't you didn't set up your tent like a tenderloin right now where people are just on the sidewalk. Oh, no, no. I live here now. You no, live, no. Did you have to pay for the space? Yes. Oh, wow. Well, that adds a whole different dimension. Yeah, yeah. So you were just paying really, really cheap rent for a tent. That's that's correct. But they gave you ba- you had bathrooms, access to bathrooms. Yes, bathrooms and showers, and um, and uh, there was a sprinkler system. It was very wild. Like um, one night, because they kept telling us about snakes oh, to be to be afraid of the snakes and stuff. So one night, um, I was awakened by this sound, and it was like. And I was like, oh, Jesus, we are surrounded by snakes. <laughs> and it, There's snakes in a motherfucking tent. Yeah, it turned out it was the sprinklers. But I aged, you know, several years. Sure. 
during that evening. How long were you doing this extended camp living situation? I think it was a month. Wow. What was the hardest part about leaving uh, the traditional domicile? Um, well, you know, keeping up with my meds because oh. I like to have a pretty, you know, I'm pretty good at, at OCD. Yeah. <laughs> so that, you know, dovetailed nicely into the camping lifestyle. Everything, everything has a place. Yes. Yeah, and you can't have <laughs> other, can't have too much stuff. So, uh. How did you get out of the camping situation? Did you have to find first last month's rent? Was it like you were saving money when you were in the tent? Oh, um, I just, I broke. I, I, I went to relatives. Oh. Yeah. I was like. Was it summertime when you were living in the camp? Yes. Okay, good. Because San Diego in summertime, no problem. Yeah, no, no big deal. It was, it was, it was really nice. It was the best homeless situation possible. It was kind of like a sabbatical. Yeah. All right. I can't be sabbatical. What was the biggest thing you learned being houseless? Um, that I do not like that. Oh. <laughs> I do not enjoy camping. What was the one thing that you appreciated the most that you were like, this is the thing I miss? Like, would it be like taking showers alone or a temperature or? Oh, just not having to pack up everything every day. Oh, yeah, because you know you can't just leave your stuff. Oh, you weren't like wow. So it wasn't like a campsite where you're like, I just leave my tent here for. A yeah, moment. you had to. Pack you up could, every but day. like, um, they would only let you stay for a couple of days, oh. and and you'd have to like change up and and like either go to a different. It's like an SRO for camping. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every 21 days, they're like, get out of here. Go yeah. somewhere else. But wait, where am I supposed to go? Yeah. I mean, very nice. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed like, being close to horses and sure. stuff like that. Yeah, but houses are great. John, what was your when, – when were you homeless? I, I was homeless um, – it, it's now more than 10 years ago. I was as you were talking. I'm trying to remember exactly when it was, but it was uh, after I met my now wife, uh, who who's American, um, but I was living in England at the time. We'd gone through the economic uh, crisis, the 2008 crisis, and uh, and there was a, a a point where the company I was working for had run out of uh, of money. Uh, and and I ran out of money shortly afterwards, um, and I, I distinctly remember it was, it was, um, it was. Uh, winter in London is just not a good time to be homeless. Uh, uh, it's. Um, I'm not saying that the Tenderloin's like an urban KOA, but London is just bloody cold. And I I find myself um, living out of one bag and sleeping in. Um, for as long as I had cash youth hostels and then uh, at some point it you know you try and keep trying you keep trying to you, you, you burn through your friends couches quicker than you imagine uh, I remember that much we you are joined right now by Rachel Pinson of Home Free and also Billy Joe Gillespie all the way from Colorado uh, just to introduce everybody who's on the podcast and Hey. Hello, hey. Sorry, I was running a little late. 
Were you having to find parking for your horse? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. All right, so the cough hasn't kicked in yet, so we'll see how this goes. <laughs> I'm a caffeineaholic. I've had less than two cups, so this is going to be <laughs> semi-functioning. There's coffee right outside there. Oh, you're a goddess. But I, th- I think, Pam, you definitely there's a shout-out required for your coffee sponsor because they've, they've, they've... Oh, 100%. Um, our coffee, if you come down to 21st Street, there's a new place that just opened up. It's called Coffee Shop. Wilson the Purveyor is amazing, and the coffee's really great, and we have it here during the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival, so thank you, Coffee Shop. No kidding. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to do this uh, podcast, the Home Free podcast, because I was a homeless traveler for a really long time, and I met Billy. Billy Joe. Billy Joe. Billy Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I met Billy. Uh, whenever I was I was traveling through Boulder, and she really helped sh- like show me around where the free food places were, and we like had this, and my friend like we helped each other out like it was just it was a good experience to like meet her and then she started doing comedy and then i started doing comedy i'm like oh it'd be perfect for us to come together and do comedy (laughs) the reason i guarded my last name so closely when i was homeless is because i had already started comedy and i just i i took some time off to get my crap together before because I really didn't think I was going to be welcome in a bar and still going to be able to get help from all the judgmental donors, you know. Well, when you walk into a bar with this big-ass backpack, I mean, Starbucks won't even allow it. What, what makes you think? You, know, you haven't done enough tweet. open mics in San Francisco, clearly. That's, <laughs> no, that's, no, I think that's the lesson. Boulder. Oh, I was going to say, here... <laughs> They don't let you in unless you have a 22 kilo backpack with you. I mean, it's, it's, it's and a, a dog. You have it's to a badge of honor. <laughs> well, the problem with going homeless in a town where I had worked so much was, I would run into coworkers, po- former coworkers, and as soon as they saw my situation, they no no longer saw me, and that just broke my heart. You know, people who I had respect for and. I thought had respect for me, but you could see it's changed. Well, we have that. We have that. I mean, Pam, how many of how many of our fellow comics around here work as Ubers all day, sleep in their cars, and most of them have a, a gym membership? You know. Yeah, I know. I know a couple couple people that live in a van or live yeah. in. A, I know two comics that live in their vans, and they're like, "We're home free." But I was living behind an electric. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. I stayed with her behind the electric box one night. This was a two bedroom electric box. That's, uh... Hey, we can cuddle. <laughs> with my dog. I had a blind shih tzu at the time. It was, was not a great trail dog, but we took him anyway. Yeah, we did. I just had to carry him mostly. I was a seeing eye human. It was <laughs> It was a fun time. <laughs> he I rescued him too i guess like he just like showed off on this showed up on this commune once covered in like matted fur like dreadlocks and he had like ticks in his eyes and trash in his fur and all the hippies look at him and they're like well he fits right in he's like he's one of us and then like we fixed him up and i just like took him on the road and, until i gave him a better home but it was fun it was a fun time me and this blind shih tzu <laughs> so how did you get out of that situation I 
how did I get out of that situation? I started doing uh, a lot of rainbow gatherings, which is like this like anarchistic community that meets in dis- different national forests all over the country. So I would, I was really just going in between those and kind of like, you know, being like a homeless nomad, like in between going to these gatherings and stuff. And I met somebody there and fooled around and fell in love or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) whatever. And then ended up living in California because like, uh, he inherited like his, it was, it was a long story actually. Uh, cause I met him at this gathering and we were going to leave. I've never seen the Pacific ocean at that point in time. And I'm like, I'm going to hitchhike till I find the Pacific ocean. And he's like, what? I grew up in the Bay area and like, I can take you down there, but first we should go to the Oregon country fair. And I was like, okay, sure. Stranger. I'll get in your car. (laughs) My mom said when I was young that she was, I was so friendly to everyone that she was scared. I was going to end up in some stranger's car. And I think she was right because I ended up hitchhiking (laughs) a lot. But, uh, so as we were leaving, he got, get, we finally get phone reception. He found out that his dad died. And at the same time he found out his dad died, I let my dog out to pee and he gets mauled by another dog all at the same time. So it went from like this happy, like, Oh, cool. Like, like new love. Like we're going to have adventures to like tragedy. All of a sudden we have to go straight to California. I wasn't even planning on going to California, but that's where he was from. And, uh, yeah, he inherited this house and then I left, uh, to go do other stuff. And he was like, you should come back. And I wanted to start going to school. He's like, you can go to school here. So I lived there for like six years and kind of built up from there. I like, uh, you know, got like a job. I had a place to stay. I was stable and like started working and going to school and like building it up and that relationship is over, but now I have an apartment. So (laughs) it was just kind of like... (laughs) Building up the layers. <laughs> and how do you feel now that you've sold out to your anarchistic <laughs> tendencies? Uh, I have He's mixed feelings about kids. it, you know. <laughs> you point at them when you're in, you know, when you're in Whole Foods. I mean, I don't know. You point at them. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, that's a good question. <laughs> you go to Sprouts and still buy your grains in bulk. As, uh, you know, you still want to be part of it. If I could afford to buy food, I probably would. <laughs> I probably would do that. Uh, <laughs> food rescue happens. What oh. I do is I just let people sleep on my couch, and sometimes they bring food, and it works out. It's like symbiosis. <laughs> That's how I kept off the streets, because I'm a trained chef. My only formal qualification in this life is as a, as a trained chef. Do you want to stay on my couch sometime? <laughs> um, it's gonna get cramped with the seven dogs, the wife, and the three-year-old. But uh, but but they're all welcome. They're <laughs> but if the situation goes south, you're getting a call. I mean, in you know, in this day and age, you want to you know keep that rolodex going. But uh, but no, it's uh, it's good that you made it. I mean, that's that's one hell of a uh, literally that's a transcontinental journey. You yeah. Know, physically uh. and 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 emotionally. Yeah, definitely. There was a lot of things. I I developed like some some of my humor through those moments. Like when I first started comedy, I was really hesitant to joke about the the homelessness and the traveling cuz I wanted to be more relatable off the bat instead of being <laughs> like, "Oh, by the way, um I'm weird." You know, like I do these things, you know, like uh but I There there's a 
Mike that we do once a month. Have you guys uh, have you guys done sinning and grinning? Zorb is Mike. It's at a free food church, and it's it's a mostly a homeless audience. And I'm like, good. This is a good outlet for me to be able to tell my jokes. That I have some jokes that would only work there. I want to go there while I'm here. I want to hear them. <laughs> like this is the like. Uh, give me but one I, of your. Who would have thought all those uh, all that training in the military was just to pre prepare me for my life as a homeless veteran? It's the only way I survived. <laughs> it's not. I mean, it's funny, but it's also reality. If it wasn't for the, the funny, is that it's so true. Three weeks know? sleeping in the mountains with a rifle is pretty much the same <laughs> thing as London in December. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I got caught in a storm on my way here. I play, tried to play beat the storm, didn't make it. Ended up sleeping um, in the car, uh, just short of the summit somewhere in Nevada. We were fine because I had the gear, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Zero degree bag just came out of the trunk and we curled up. You know, I hadn't thought until about it until now, but you know, so much British humor is based on homelessness. Hmm. The Monty Python Yorkshireman sketch is I all love about Monty Python. Right? You know, Who doesn't? you had a house, you were lucky, lad. <laughs> we we lived in shoebox in bottom of gravel pits. <laughs> Every day we had to go out to work. Twenty six hours a day we had to pay owner. For privilege of having roof over head while we were working, then we'd come home, our father would eat us because he hadn't eaten. <laughs> then we'd have to clean the pit. You had a gravel pit, you were lucky. You know, I mean, the, it, I, mean I don't think, you know, and here we are today drinking Chateau of Chatelet. If you'd have told me, I wouldn't believe it. And it, it. But there was a reality. That was a really convincing then. accent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I you was know, just thinking he, he, he had done the whole thing beautifully. <laughs> I, 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 th there is a benefit to your father being from the north of England. Um, mm. So whilst I normally try and uh, sound what I would call generic English, although I've been here too long now, I'm Americanizing. When I really want to make people, basically scare people. Like I hate people that have 11 eyes. Well, I hate people, but I also, <laughs> but there's a scale. And you hit the red part of it if you've got 11 items in the 10 items or less queue. <laughs> And that's when I want that accent. It like, do you know you've got 11 items? What kind of human, if you are human, would do such a thing? And there's uh, Americans are scared of northerners, uh, of, of people from north of England, I've found out. Like, you love English people right up until we use our real accents. <laughs> when it doesn't sound like Mary Poppins anymore. And at that point, you run. Uh, you would never have helped us out in World War II if you'd heard what we actually sounded like. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a question for people. Um, why do Americans hate poor people, and what is some of the worst discrimination that you've encountered because of your housing situation that, I mean, ostensibly it's not anybody's fault, but, but things happen in life, and we should be able to house everyone. But then what are some of the stigmas that you where you were like, oh, like specific things of they did that because they think I'm this? That's a great question. I think one of the biggest uh, like shocks was the amount of people that I knew before I was homeless that were so cool with me and like would let me hang out and stay with them and stuff. But as soon as I actually really needed a place, like mm -hmm. how many doors shut and was like, yeah. Oh, I don't know if I could, 
you know, just two days, like shower. They're like, oh, I don't know. And then I and then I realized like, wow, like in my own hometown, in my own home state, it was harder for me to find places to go. And that was really like that was a real shocker. I'm like, well, I might as well just stay on the road then. <laughs> like, if strangers are gonna be nicer to me than my own like people I grew up with. Um, uh, getting kicked out of places just because of the way I smell, like that happened a couple of times. <laughs> like, like oh, I can't be in this library. Why? <laughs> like it's a library. Like yeah, oh, I I fought hard to get an address to get my ID replaced. Um, and then one morning the cops found me. And they had, they had given me a ticket like a week before, sleeping elsewhere. And, you know, at four in the morning, freshly woken up, one flashlight to the face looks like any other. So I didn't recognize them. But one of them all of a sudden says, wait a minute, don't you have a spot over, you know? And at that point, I recognize, I remembered that these are the guys that gave me the ticket before. By now, I'd had a chance to read the ticket. They wrote transient. Pissed me off. So I said, oh, so that was you that called me a transient. I, w I was born here. I graduated high school here. I came home from the military to raise my children here. Military. Where, where am I going? What transients are traveling? Where am I going? Mm. A and at that point, this officer actually straightened up, took a step back, and said, sorry, ma'am. I'm like, wait, wait, did I just see that? <laughs> <laughs> You're a veteran. That's yeah. insane. <laughs> And that you were homeless. And that you served our country. and I left a toxic I relationship with no out. I was still going. You know, the, the thing about having been a Marine is, yeah, you're scared. Acknowledge that. No. <laughs> Left foot first, you know. I think uh, talking about discrimination and stuff, it's really interesting to me, and a lot of cities do this, where if they can tell that you're homeless or you're a traveler or whatever, like they'll do, th like Nashville and San Francisco, both are places where I was approached by cops that said, hey, you can't sit there. Like you can stand, you can walk, but you can't sit because sitting is trespassing. And I'm like on a sidewalk in front of a building that's, not even a, a, a business anymore, you know? And um, the one thing about San Francisco that I thought was interesting was I was smoking a joint and a cop comes up and says, hey, you can't sit there. <laughs> <laughs> totally cool with the weed, but they're like, you can't sit, though. That's that's illegal. <laughs> I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> kept, stood up and kept smoking. Like, yeah. Yeah, you didn't have you didn't have an answer for that in your in, in your anarchy, did you? You were like, uh, we want to sit anywhere but not smoke. I mean, it's it's but San Francisco is its own problem, and, and and don't get me wrong, I'm I'm my own brand of white middle class prejudice, um, <laughs> but the problem is so huge. It's not the politics. We, Pam, you say, you know, why do why do Americans hate homeless people? It's because it's what they were told to do. It's that leave it to, it's that leave it to Beaver. And uh, we never had any help. Oh, we pulled ourselves up by our bootstrap. I mean, they would do it in a, I don't know what Oklahoma sounds like, but. Um, <coughs> I could give you an example. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this, this, this uh, America has got, it's part of the American dream is, you know, everybody works hard to get their quarter acre with a pool. And anybody that doesn't achieve that is a failure. Not only that, a wanton failure because you chose a lifestyle outside of the norm. And it, it, it's, 
uh, sorry, I'm an outsider. I only studied your history. I didn't have to live through it. <laughs> um, but the but it, it, it it's ridiculous, and you see it now. You know, Reagan shut down the uh, shut down. By the way, if you're an American and I'm teaching you your history, that's how bad your education system is. <laughs> I am so sorry. But Reagan shut down so many of the smaller mental health units. Uh, and we have the legacy of it, you know, here in San Francisco. Um, oh, and we suffer the effects of that nationwide. Yeah. Uh, and, and they said, we, we're going to shut these down and we're going to put care back into the community. At which point the and community said, what? Uh, uh, who? <laughs> um, how? In my neighborhood? Oh. Mm, um, which is, uh, you know, you this terrible, you know, if, if, if there were more homeless people living in the good parts of town, it would get fixed. Um, no, that's where camping bans came from. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But and that's what you see. You see it here with these rocks being put up in in, in the fancy part of Lombard and stuff. And, and you were talking earlier about the Sit Lie Law, and that was passed a bunch of years ago in the city of San Francisco. And when it came out, I was like, "We're doing what?" And it got the people passed it. We as a city said, "Yeah, the Sit Lie Law. That sounds like a good idea. No one can sit or lie on the ground. That'll fix the homeless problem." And it, it's it's a ridiculous measure, but the city passed it. So that who who votes? I guess the people in the marina. I. Th it's a city. It's a, it was a city. It was passed like maybe five years ago, six I years ago. I thought the camping ban was stupid enough. Yeah, but it's a, it was called the sit lie law, Which and it was ugly. it was like five or six years ago that they and we all voted on it. And I I was like, this is insane, but enough people voted. And it was a city measure, and that's how that ended up happening, which is crazy. And that you got stopped for, and that's because we all were like, "Yeah, that'll fix it. Let's just criminalize what they let's criminalize what they do during the day." Yeah, you take these people that a lot of them have mental issues anyway, and they're on the street and make it so they can't lay down or sit, and like, <laughs> and then they get way worse. And we're like, "Oh, these crazy people all around me. It's just terrible." Sleep deprivation. I pay too much tough. to put up with this. Sleep deprivation. Sleep deprivation is not going to make it worse if they're not properly medicated and slightly <laughs> off balance. Let's just make them sleep deprived, not let them sit down. That'll really. And then fix they'll have the to look for illness. a place to shit someday. Oh, don't 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 get me wrong. And, and so I you know I lived this life. I had my own. You know I, I never wanted anybody to know I was homeless. This is probably the only time. <laughs> That it'll be public, so this won't be going up on my personal Facebook. Um, <laughs> don't tag me, Pam. Don't tag me. Uh, but there's a. But it came back to your point. I, I ex-military, and so I had. Uh, I was prepared to hide it better. Right. There's a. I was well able to hide. Never let the bastards see you bleed. Is kind of, is is one of the, sort of. Um, internal slogans of military intelligence doesn't matter how bad it is keep going like yeah. you said left foot first we're like what do you mean first why did you stop uh, yeah but there's a but that meant you know putting my you know my 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 thinking was uh i made sure that my suit jackets were in storage so that i could get to them because right. if i i didn't want to carry them around they'd look rumpled and da -da 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 -da. i had a storage unit and i was that is where i kept my things and that is how i kept from appearing homeless exactly you know and that is part of why i, d I can't really i can't really uh say what kind of discrimination happened because of it appearing because i tried my best to hide that shit so that i could get a job so that i could 
not have problems getting a cup of coffee. No, my wife didn't know I was homeless. I bought her an engagement. I used all the money I had, not for a down payment, to buy an engagement ring. And by the way, it wasn't a shitty engagement ring. She <laughs> still questions its value, but <laughs> she ch but she you know she chose the stone, she chose the setting, and this was you know it's it was white gold and and all those wonderful things. And and I love you, darling. If you do listen to this by mistake, thanks, Pam, for tagging me. Uh, but I and and that was, I was lucky. I got to move to America and start my life again. Uh, but that was not that was not part of the plan. Right. That was a fringe benefit of dating somebody <laughs> with poor decision making choices. Um, <laughs> but what what's your experience? I mean you, you mentioned earlier on you, you had medication, you had to Yeah, yeah. I did um you know I was like totally depressed, so like I'm looking for meds, but you know, getting to the meds luckily I had a car, you know, but, um, I'm also military. So, um, I, I think they really did a disservice to us okay. when everybody expects you to be able to get a job and do well after you get out of the military, but then no one wants to hire you. Oh, you know? hearing that stuff about how veterans are damaged goods. I, I'm just like, are you serious? Mm-hmm. We are overqualified for your underpaying position, but we take it anyway. Mm. But you want to call us damaged goods when we're your best workers? Yeah. And um, yeah. It, it bothers me on Veterans Day when everybody is like, thank you for your service. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> I wanted a job. <laughs> thank yous. You can you can keep that shit. I, I really wanted thank a job when I didn't get out. Nine. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm, um, oh, also, I'd like to say that Reagan sucked in so many ways. Amen. Yeah, um, he did, you know, he did the gay community <laughs> a bad one, and he let all those people out of the... Uh, that was such a bad time for the gay community nationwide. Yeah. And and him at the helm did not help. Yeah. And part of, part of people's m mental... Problems. Just it's say no, Nancy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who sparked one on the day she died? <laughs> <laughs> but part of the mental health thing is that you don't want to take your meds. You know, I know when I first yeah, started. Sometimes you need the encouragement it. to take them. Yeah, yes. uh, when I first started taking them, I was scared as hell because I had OCD about taking things. Yeah. <laughs> oh, OCD complicates everything with homelessness. <laughs> mm -hmm. Try washing your hands as many times as I need to when there's no water around. <laughs> right now, you cannot get hand sanitizer for love or money oh, in the city. Thanks just God. a shout out to all you people that are stressing about the plague. So, so, so what are you drinking now? <laughs> Thank God I brought my. You can make your own <laughs> with aloe vera gel and isopropyl alcohol. That's good to know. So That's good to know. DIY. No, it is. It, it's it's bad, and, and th there's a generation never known loss right now. You can't get it at Costco, and you know the real youngsters can't even order it from Amazon. I mean, they're suffering. Um, <laughs> they are. Let's let's not. They've never known, no, uh, this is going to hurt for a while. I mean, not since the great shortage of avocado toast have they known <laughs> such misery. <laughs> when Chipotle put 50 cents on guacamole, 
shit got real for these people. Um, this is just a foreshadowing of uh, society's breakdown uh, for, for, for them. I'm sorry, I'm not a good person. Uh, <laughs> I, I only get away with it because of the accent. That, that's it. That's the only reason. So uh, as another question uh, if for everyone who's been questionably housed, do you? what would you say is the most important thing that people would have to recognize to maybe start fixing the problem? Is there anything that if, if like you could talk to the people in the marina and say, hey, recognize this. It doesn't come from one problem. What caused my homelessness is different from what caused her homelessness is what different. Some of us come to it from medical problems. You know, with my situation, um, my wallet was stolen with my ID, my social security card, everything in it during a move. Oh, so yeah. when I left my toxic relationship, I couldn't prove who I was. Mm. And I had, been, I had spent months trying to get these things in Thornton, Colorado, where I was born. I go to the DMV where I got my very first driver's license and I'm asking questions about with, with no proof of who I am. Oh. How do I get this, this uh, process started? And as I'm asking questions, she offered to have me arrested. What? I know. Wow. I left that office in tears. Oh. I tried my best to avoid not having any place to go because I knew I needed to get the heck out of my marriage. Yeah. You know, and... I tried my best to not have to go homeless. One day I accepted that's all I could do. I put my things in, in the storage and packed a, a bag. And I got the heck out of the very town where I w was born because there were no services for homelessness. And three days later I met Rachel and <laughs> we helped each other out in so many ways over that next week. Formed a friendship that's gonna last a lifetime. To, to, to your point, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I have a, a pretty damn good life um, uh, most of the time. <laughs> and I, anything bad is usually self-inflicted um, <laughs> and usually stupid. And I'm not 22 years old anymore and I should stop that shit. But I, I do, I, I pay back where I can. And so there's a number of, of friends of ours that know that when... Um, that they can stop by and spend a night in, in San Jose, um, and 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 there's always you know there's God knows how much food in our fridge. I swear to God, there's more than six people living in our house. <laughs> I don't think my father-in-law's ever known. Um, Stocked like a prepper, huh? I swear to God. Well, he's in Nebraska. He's expecting. Oh, uh, so he know. is a prepper. Oh yeah, he's a. <laughs> Not in that regard, but I, I think, you know, he, he believes every season you need to do canning. Um, yeah. And you, you, you know. Yeah, my mother would can way more than we ate every yeah. year. Yeah. We had s at least a six-acre garden every year. Wow. There was only five people in the house. He can't drive past Costco without getting a chicken. <laughs> it, it's just like, it's physically impossible for him. But, uh, but I tried to help somebody else. There's uh, some friends of ours. Someone said, if, could you help this guy? He has dogs. He lives at Chrissy Field. And he has two um, giant, now what are they? They're not Burmese mountain dogs, but they are. Uh, Caitlin, if you're listening, it's your kind of dog. He's in Newfoundland. Oh. These are huge. So they had three Newfies sleeping in an RV with two people. She, uh, the, his, his partner had advanced cancer, uh, to my understanding. And I tried to help the guy out. I tried to help him. And that man 
giving him slightly bogus uh, employment references. <laughs> Uh, tried to help him with the dogs by finding homes for the dogs. Like, dude, we can make your life better, but the, one of those incremental things is not you giving up control, but give the dog a better chance of, of living as well. I mean, these things eat 10 pounds of food a day. Um, and you can't help everyone because the, the mental issue, he'd been, on, he'd been in the situation all the time. He didn't want to recognize it because that, that hurts. You I've do become there. complacent if, if you in a situation long enough. Well, he got hostile. I mean, I, you know, we got him a whole load of help and we lined up all these things and then he but, but phoned my CEO and for, said for that I was trying to steal his dog somewhere. For Rachel, though, you, I know you have dogs and you love dogs and you love Mr. If someone came to you and was like, hey, let me help you take your dog, you'd probably be like, no, hell no. <laughs> like, for one, face. yeah, that's my security guard, one, and my space heater, and is worth way more to me than money, you know? Like, uh, like I don't know. <laughs> I don't was taking Tigger from me. Yeah. I actually, some people are like, uh, like, oh, if you re if a homeless person rescues a dog, is it really a rescue? It's still homeless or whatever. And I think, like, Dogs that have homeless owners have it the best in the dog world because they get to walk around all day. They get to stay in their pack. You're not leaving them They're in a tiny space. For They're several hours Everyone wants to give them food when you're the one that needs the food. <laughs> like My dog has like 30 pounds of dog food. And my backpack's really heavy. And you're <laughs> offering him chicken? Okay. Like, yes, you can give my dog some chicken. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's... If, if I didn't have a dog when I was traveling through Colorado, I probably wouldn't even, I probably would have walked right by Billy and she wouldn't even notice me, you know? Like, First words I said to her were, oh, cool dog. <laughs> All right. My so blind little Shih Tzu. Shout out to baby Lou. Uh, <laughs> if you're listening, because I know you can't see, so radio's perfect. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that dog, I, I just ended up. Going back to that other story, um, just for reference, and so we're talking about dogs again. Uh, he he had I took him to the vet because he was bleeding out of his abdomen. It was looking pretty bad, like from the fight after like driving all the way from Montana to California because of this other tragedy that happened. And I was in the city uh, I've never been before, and I had him. And I went to a vet, and they were like, our vet's gone, so I had to leave. And I went to another vet, and they took him, but they were like, we're going to need $200 up front. I'm like, I have $5. <laughs> and they were like, well, you could fill out this this uh, this credit thing, and we'll take him in the back. So I fill out this credit thing. I got denied. Surprise. My credit wasn't good enough. Um, and they handed me back my bleeding, dying dog on a blanket. And I was like, wow, I would have much rather them just take custody at that point and save his life. Like, no, I wouldn't just – sell them for money but i'm like at this point i'm like i'd rather him live you know and it was just crazy to me that they just handed me back this dying dog like you can't do that with humans but you know whatever pets there's um oh you can <laughs> oh sorry hospitals can't there's a difference i hospitals always can't hospitals up, can't yeah. uh so i was like walking with him this was actually a few months after we met like this is crazy um well, I know exactly a year later you had a different dog. Yeah. I ha so I had $5 to my name. I'm like, I have this bleeding shih tzu, and I'm like crying. And I'm like, I guess I'll buy a pack of cigarettes because I can't, like, this isn't going to save his life. And as I'm walking to the store, and this, like, the first time in California, it was like the first time I experienced 
uh, summer with no humidity and everything was beautiful and bright and shiny. And I was in this new place and I was like, wow, I would, I can't enjoy this. Cause I'm like, like this, you know, I'm like, <laughs> and then this girl comes up to me and she goes, Oh, what a darling little Shih Tzu. I love Shih Tzus. I have four at home. And I was like crying and I'm like, he's not doing so good. And then she sees him and the condition he was in. And she's like, why don't you go to that vet over there? And I told her that they turned me down. She gets outraged. She's like, I am an animal trainer and I donate thousands of dollars to that establishment and they're not going to take your dog. So she's like, get in my car. We're going to go to the animal shelter. So I'm going in and the sign says they closed at five 30 and it was five o'clock and the last vet was leaving. And he was like, sorry, we're closed. And I was like, Oh, I got this dog. And they were like, okay, fine. When they turned around <laughs> and we developed, like, I don't know if you guys know this, but in the state of California, it's illegal for you to, adopt a dog that you that you gave up for adoption mm-hmm. so she's like okay you give him up for adoption i'll readopt him and i'm like okay and they take him back and i'm like finally he's getting some help and i called every day to see if he was ready and they're like okay it'll be about two weeks and then one day i called and he said they said he was already adopted and i had this like you know i was sad but i knew it was like better because i'm like well he's alive and he's still like that's what i'm saying shout out to him because he's like Somewhere in Sonoma County, like he was an old dog and the lady that uh, was a senior that adopted him. So they got a double senior discount. I think it worked out. And now I have this other dog who's much better security. Not as mean, but better security. (laughs) Does it chase off the bears? The, uh, yeah, that's the one that chases off the bears in Georgia. And like he's a, you, you met my dog. He's like a yappy dog. I was camping in Georgia once, and he like there was a bear coming up, and he like barks, and this other dog barks, but this other dog was also blind, and like fa- felt the bear first. Then my dog chased him, and and ever since then he feels like he's validated for his barks. He's like, remember that time I saved our lives? I have a one hundred percent success rate of keeping us alive with my barks, and you're just gonna shut me up, woman. <laughs> <laughs> if well, my you, dogs are listening to this shut the hell up <laughs> we don't have be- it's a squirrel don't even <laughs> pretend okay no squirrel or the cat is gonna kill us uh not today well, i like i like the fact your dog's in sonoma because that's where they make all the pet grade cbd pills um, <laughs> he's probably yeah he's literally in a better he's place he's still alive i'm sure he's a shih tzu they live forever he was old when i got him he's probably still well, you know, in, in San Francisco, the animal control, they will, if you see an animal in distress, they will come and get it and, and help them out. I volunteer there with their, like, small animals, and you would not believe the amount of free-range bunnies that they wow. pick up. Like, how are you a white bunny hopping down the street of San Francisco accidentally, you know? How does that happen? How do guinea pigs hang out in in um, Golden Gate Park? You know, just just hanging out, just living life and stuff. So um, we see they they come in right now. We have like a couple of pigeons, and I don't know how you tell that the pigeons like used to be pets versus <laughs> the wild pigeons if they if they come up to you with like some sort of special request or an ipod or how they how they let you know and um but the only we, joke about we have, pigeons is that is pertains to them being on crack so that i 
<laughs> I, I think this is part of the bigger issue the the bunnies and the pigeons that you're seeing this is all p ever since they shut down that magic place in, on Columbus <laughs> yes. they were like where are the animals going to go turns out we, you know, we now know I, mean, um, I think the sad thing is is if you could do that for an animal, but if you do that for a human, they'll just arrest them. <laughs> like, oh, there's a human in distress. Well, uh, shoot him. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. The, 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 the have, that we've got pigeons wearing mega hats, and, uh, and, and if, oh, if they. Oh, I saw that. Somebody needs cheap, <laughs> stupid plastic crap super glued to their balls. <laughs> did Did you see about? Somebody glued, uh, super glued little mega hats on pigeons oh, in awful. Las Vegas. Oh, that's horrible. Yes. I know for a fact. Yeah, because there, there was a typo on it. I mean, that was the worst part. <laughs> Would not support Trump. I'm just <laughs> I've talked to pigeons before, and, and this is true. No, no, you say, you're saying that some of those dirty pigeons are racist. I mean, a lot are of they? them. Oh, they're like. They why else do they fly south for the winter? You know? Yeah. Oh, well, um, and why don't they fly. I always wonder about San Francisco pigeons because I live in the Tenderloin and the pigeons in the Tenderloin are very scruffy. And here in the Mission, they're very plump and lovely because of all the kids' school lunches and things. The pigeons are homeless, but they can go anywhere. They could go from the Tenderloin. They could fly five blocks up the hill and then they would be in Knob Hill and they could eat lovely snacks too. They could have the rest of those Cheerios and all those Cheez-Its. But they are in the Tenderloin. They don't move. They don't walk up the... I don't understand why people don't You don't see don't the homeless people from the, from, there's, from the there's Tenderloin probably more Presidio either. trash and food <laughs> for them to eat. And, then like, and they might be addicted to whatever people drop on the ground. You know, I was like, about to say, oh, I know, that's where I can get my fix. <laughs> like, a lot of these uh, critters here in, in the city, they're probably ground scored more drugs per, per ounce of body weight than we've done. <laughs> <laughs> and I know a couple of people in here have really enjoyed life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh cool <laughs> so what is everyone doing as far as giving back now that they are great question. oh yeah back off the off the streets nothing they should pull themselves up by the <laughs> just like you did you're the example <laughs> dude i had tons of help and i appreciate all of it no, I, it, 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 part, part of part of it is actually working to get a solution. I mean, I, I, I help out where I can with, with uh, and it, it tends to be the comics. My wife doesn't let me socialize and just any, uh, you know, inebriates. Uh, but I do what I can. But it, it, at some point, you know, we have to actually solve the problem. And I don't think anyone's going to like the solutions. Um, well, no, people never like solutions because that means they can't bitch. <laughs> As a husband, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I I find myself in city council quite often when the issues come up. You know, I have uh, a couple of city council members on speed dial just because, you know, I'm like, what the heck are you guys thinking with this? You know, and I'm sure that they regret letting me work on their campaign. <laughs> It's a long-term solution, unfortunately. I, I I just have the short the short-term solutions of just the uh, gorilla feeding people. <laughs> like I I've, I'm part of a lot yeah. of free food kitchens and just like I can't help you in the long run, but I'll share a sandwich with you. That's that's why I really like uh, sitting and grinning. The Zorba does once a month at uh, it's like a it's at the, it's at the church. church. 
110, I think. 110, 110 Julian Avenue. Off of 16th Street. Yeah, and I think they have weekly meals, but once a month they do comedy, and I'm like, oh, I know how I can solve the problem with my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> After I like serve them food, you know. Uh, so that's kind of my approach to it. I guess uh, it's just like the feeding and people like even if they're not homeless and even if like like giving someone free food and they weren't expecting it they're like what's wrong with this like why are you if you know they're not as grateful (laughs) well I hang out with the critters at animal control (laughs) we just we handle them and keep them like ready to be um, in a relationship because <laughs> we don't want them to get like you know creeped out and like think that they're in rabbit jail forever. Right. So, so like we handled uh, little guinea pigs and stuff, and when people are looking for some, and we do have some rabbits in case you need one. Um, <laughs> Not hungry, yeah. thanks. <laughs> I, I, I feel I should offer something from the white middle class. So, if 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 you are thinking of divorcing your wife. <laughs> then donate to a woman's shelter. You'll get the tax write-off, and she'll have somewhere to go. <laughs> nice. That's good. I like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> Not you, darling. I'm, I love you more than life itself. Um, I'll leave. <laughs> well, my favorite um, soup kitchen while I was homeless, the one that gave us scratch-made meals every month, I've now been a part of for a few years, and they are celebrating 30 years Awesome. This year. Yeah. St. John's Episcopal. They're in Boulder. <laughs> I actually got a place to stay in San Francisco because of my involvement in these free food kitchens and somebody recognizing me and being like, you're awesome. Do you want to stay in my apartment? And I'm like, cool. So. See, even our homeless <laughs> connections pay off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here real. because of. Oh, <laughs> and also <laughs> offering my couch. <laughs> She reached out and said, hey, s- hey, submit to this. Oh, there you go. So, yes, Rachel yeah. is why I am here. Okay, uh, does anyone have any <laughs> closing statements? Well, I'm buying lunch for the write-off. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Donate to, to not just your, um, your uh, food sh- pantries, but also... You know, to like food not bombs okay. and to uh, your food rescues because the the non-perishable that's all just rice and noodles and diabetes is already <laughs> rampant <laughs> enough in this country. How are they going to cook it anyway? Right. Yeah, also, socks, 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 socks. Anytime you see somebody begging for anything anywhere and you hand them socks, it's only benefits them <laughs> no one ever has enough socks and when you donate things to to the shelters remember women go homeless too oh yeah there were never smaller socks <laughs> or you know women's needs tampons and stuff, <laughs> yes yeah. i'm not afraid to say it and if, you, and if you have a job women. <laughs> make sure you have three months rent start saving now you <laughs> don't need to go out and party tonight put that money to one side because if you haven't got a home you ain't got shit one up by the bootstraps is his closing statement uh hey this has been podcast one of day two of the mutiny radio comedy festival home free thanks to rachel pinson billy joe gillespie uh sharon berzer and john garside for being here 
And hey, we're coming up at 11 o'clock with something else. Comedy programming here, 12 hours a day, every day of the week during the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. Thanks for joining us. Yay! Yay! your boy Sifo here, here to let you know that the 5th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival is March 1st through 7th, 2020 with special podcasts and comedy shows 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. all week. Get your tickets now on Eventbrite. Just search Mutiny Radio and get ready for 76 comics from all over the U.S. coming for 66 programs in 7 days all here at 2781 21st Street in the heart of the mission. Or if you can't be with us, listen live or podcast from anywhere in the world at www.mutinyradio.fm. Join us March 1st to 7th for these amazing events. What kind of a future? Law Tigers, we fight for motorcyclists. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Law Tigers watches over riders. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear, too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California's motorcycle lawyer. Victor Davis, Harris Law Firm, LLP, 180 Carmine Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, 
convertible 1969 gold Cadillac with the white interior when I drove it up here. And I started to do some thinking. around in it on the freeway and I'm having a really, really good time. Flat black classic. Smoking big spliffs and cruising that Cadillac on the freeway. Good feeling, I'll tell you. Can I see Hello, Blake. Henry. Yeah. Charlie here. Yeah. I have a report here, Henry, from your uh, from your chief nurse, Major O'Houlihan. She makes some accusations, Henry. I, I find pretty hard to believe. Uh, the dude minds, man. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on mutinyradio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... uh, Aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by Uh, Here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch a full-length movie. What's happening? This is your boy, Rob Edwards. I'm here to tell you about the 5th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's March 1st through the 7th, 2020, with special podcasts and comedy shows 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. all week long. Get your tickets on Eventbrite. Just search Mutiny Radio and get ready for 76 comments from all over the U.S. Coming for 66 programs in seven days, all here at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission, or listen live or podcast from anywhere in the world at Mutiny Radio. FM. Join us March 1st through the 7th for these amazing events. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Well, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought or two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's joke workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Hungry for a burger? Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counteroffer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counteroffer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counteroffer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counteroffer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. 
Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Subliminal SF Visual and Auditory Mind Control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs, and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's Subliminal SF. .myshopify.com and experience Subliminal SF. Tired of paying too much for your internet? Contracts and hidden fees got you down? Tired of supporting the same big cable companies that lobby against a free and open internet? Get Monkey Brains! Monkey Brains is a local internet provider who doesn't sell your data, bind you down with contracts, or trick you with hidden monthly fees. We're honest, local, and 100% net neutral. Residential internet for only $35 a month, business packages starting at $75 a month. Go to monkeybrains.net and sign up today! Asiento, take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas, and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, First Wednesday, live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties. The food is darn good special happy hour prices all night long with your mutiny radio comedy festival ticket march 1st through 5th check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com come take a seat i had a date there and it 
did not go well. But it wasn't the fault of the place. They're very nice. Asiento. El Rio began her life in 1978 as a leather Brazilian gay bar. We are an LGBTQ plus space who is welcoming to all good people. We actively invest in communities to promote social change. We actively invest in our local arts and music scene to give space for artists. We actively pursue underserved communities in the use of our space. We are an awesome supporter of the fifth annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival, hosting an incredible offside show. Wednesday, March 4th, 9 to 11 p.m. with LGBTQ plus and allied comics. So come out to 3158 Mission Street at Cesar Chavez, San Francisco. It's open every day at 2 p.m. with an incredible back patio. El Rio is your dive. your boy Sifo here here to let you know that the fifth annual mutiny radio comedy festival is march 1st through 7th 2020 with special podcasts and comedy shows 10 a.m to 10 p.m all week get your tickets now on eventbrite just search mutiny radio and get ready for 76 comics from all over the u.s coming for 66 programs in seven days all here at 2781 21st street in the heart of the mission or if you can't be with us, listen live or podcast from anywhere in the world at www.mutinyradio.fm. Join us March 1st to 7th for these amazing events. What kind of a future? Law Tigers, we fight for motorcyclists. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Law Tigers watches over riders. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear, too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers. California's motorcycle lawyer. Victor Davis, Harris Law Firm, LLP. 180 Next Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, 2020. Some call me Tim. Here we are on Some Call Me Tim, a very special festival edition. Yes, we have Casey McNeil just walked through the door from Boston. We have Sharon Berzer in the house of Cooking with Jesus. John Garside's doing something on the computer. 
Billy Joe Gillespie's around the corner. Rachel Pinson's still here. Podcast two, day two, Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. Very special. Some call me Tim. Hey, Sharon. Hey. So the way I usually run the show, I have you look deep into the eyes of Sparkle Jesus, and I ask you, do you believe in Jesus? Um, why not? All right. <laughs> why not? Sure. Uh, what's your What's your Jesus like? Um, he's pretty chill. I remember going to uh, a church, uh, a gay associated church in Ohio, and they had like a picture of surfer Jesus. Oh. I was like, if the, I was gonna believe in Jesus, he would have been a surfer because he did hang out like with fishermen and stuff. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Walked on water. That's like surfing. That's like yeah. Walking it's on like water. surfing. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I imagine he would have had like a big board, like the Hawaiians. Yeah, he has yeah. the he has the hair for it. He's hanging loose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's hanging out with all his bros. Absolutely, surfer Jesus. I believe one hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. On the the Dead Sea is made of salt, so just no waves. Yeah. <laughs> he would have just floated. You know, I never thought about that. You know, Jesus walking on water or whatever. Was it wasn't the Dead Sea? They said it was the Sea of Galilee. But like on the Dead Sea, is there enough salt in there? Like maybe he was so emaciated and skinny that he just sort of like floated atop. <laughs> well, why not? I, I, Pat Robertson says that Jesus. Um, well, you can't be a Christian and and be on Atkins. You know, you can't be a Christian and be on Atkins. Oh, because you need the bread. <gasps> because the body of Christ. Yeah. Oh, dear Lord. Right. So Jesus probably ate a lot of carbs. He probably didn't walk on water as much as just kind of float. Just kind of float. Yeah. That is so funny. Yeah. He couldn't be Atkins. No. Yeah. Because yeah. he's all carbs. Five loaves, two fish. Yeah. Yeah. How did that happen? <laughs> Yeah, right. I yeah. I wonder if it, was like, Jesus. if it was like a rainbow gathering where, you know, he brought five loaves and two fish. But then once they saw, oh, he's giving up all his stuff. Because if, if everybody gives a fish, everybody can eat. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. So you believe in Jesus. Were you, were you raised super religious or is it something you came to later in life? Super Catholic. Super Catholic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Lots so of like, saints. Saints for everything. How did that jive with your uh, your partner choices in the future? <laughs> Not very well. Was, it, was, <laughs> no. there a, was there a huge transition between, like, I, I assume that there was a lot of shame involved since Catholics aren't super into alternate... You would think Partner with choices. all the, the priests and dresses and yeah. stuff <laughs> that they'd be open to, like, different kind of lifestyles. But, um, indeed, no. No. And there's, like, a lot of guilt and shame just for being, like, you know, your run-of-the-mill Catholic. Sure. So if you add any kind of other, you know, extracurricular right. interests, the layers. It, it's, it's um not going to fly. So what was when did you recognize that this Catholicism thing was a did you think it was a bag of horseshit or was there a moment where you were like this is not for me and now I know why and like what age was that well I tell you there were like there were signs and signals <laughs> all along the way Sem- semaphore yeah like, but um you know it took a while before I like was 
I was like, okay, well, I am going to hell. That's what it oh. looks like. So you didn't negate the Catholicism. You bought into it, and you were like, well, who I am, I'm going it, to hell. Yeah, there must be. And, and then, you know, I was like, wait a minute. Um, I If I liked people as much as Jesus apparently did, he would have been more accepting. Yeah. Well, I think Jesus was super accepting. Like, he hung out with the prostitutes and the tax collectors, which is, I think at that time, that was, like, the worst people that could be thought upon it's like oh the, their jobs yeah you look down on them that hard because of their form of employment they're like these second class citizens um i think that i mean surfer jesus i think would be super inclusive i think so too yeah and stuff you know and yeah. whatever he had some good points and stuff but, but I bleeding bleeding underwear that's the other thing is there are no nipples on jesus's there are no nipples on crucifix jesus's in catholic churches he Is has that, no nipples i don't have you ever noticed that he has no, no nipples. i was caught up in his sweet sweet abs yeah which, right which like as as like um a practicing carbohydrate eater right are probably photoshopped <laughs> <laughs> the diaper the man the bleeding man in the diaper on the cross with yeah. no nipples that's like I don't the remember Jesus. that. What was I doing well, all those years? I was. I always thought it was funny that I wasn't allowed to have an invisible friend. I wanted a four-foot cat to be my buddy. Uh huh. But my parents were like, you know what? You can have a thirty-three-year-old man sit it, sit on your bed every night and hold your hand that you're praying to. Like they were fine with the thirty-three-year-old bleeding man in a diaper sitting yeah. on my bed, but they were not cool with a four-foot cat. So, I mean. Imagination. I know. I it's know. like it's like you know. I was in the South, right? Okay. So we were very much superior to like snake handlers <laughs> and whatnot. <laughs> but you know, when you think about it, it was like, wait, we were just okay. Maybe we didn't handle snakes, but we had priests, right? Yeah. Well, all of the different factions get crazy, like. The Pentecostals believe that you can't truly have the spirit and be saved of Christ or the Holy Spirit unless you have the Holy Spirit enter you and you speak in tongues. It's like one of their things. Yeah. Is that you have the only way, the way that you show that the Holy Spirit is inside you is by speaking in tongues, which is like that weird, like, babbly, non-language stuff where you're just sort yeah. of like making no But it's almost like this whipped up hysteria of... Yeah, I've seen some broth. YouTube, and it looks like the very best crack. Yeah, you know? right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sweet. Uh, hey, we're going to do a round robin of Some Call Me Tim. So, Sharon, uh, last, any other uh, things about Jesus or religion or how it ended? Uh, your show's coming up, Cooking with Jesus? Yeah, Cooking with Jesus, because Jesus is right here. He's very sparkly, and um, I, I think he's pretty much the original Martha Stewart. Yeah. Right? Loaves and fishes, Loaves fed and a fishes. whole crowd, like busted out the water, turned it to wine. Yeah. Yes. Hell yeah. The original Martha Stewart. Yeah. Making cranberry topiaries. Just whipping up a party. Yeah. And really, truly, a party. Yeah. He yeah. Was doing talks. He was doing TED Talks before TED Talks. Yeah. Everyone was entertained. Yeah. Feeding everybody. Yeah. Good bro. Like, hey, dude, you know what? The meek. Us, yeah. we're gonna inherit this. Meeker to inherit the earth. Yeah, yeah. And so he had a 
spiel and everything. Yeah. I would. It took me like you know, days to write that. He needs. He needs. Uh, he ha- should have had better merch. Some T-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Jesus talked about improv. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome improv. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Allegorical. Yeah. yeah. Pearls before swine. The whole deal. Yeah. yeah. It, amazing. Yeah. Excellent work for somebody living on carbs. <laughs> <laughs> I love croissants. I, yeah. I love carbs. I couldn't. I don't know how. Yeah. Croissants are, are definitely the yeah, work probably, of God. They're probably my favorite. Yeah. Croissant. God. They're probably my favorite of the of the carbs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I know so, how to make them. Do you really? Yeah. Uh, I went made your th- own puff pastry. I went through a baking phase. Damn. Not in, it wasn't a religious <laughs> related baking phase. Patisserie is as close <laughs> to God as you're going to get. Yeah. Like, that's perfect. But yes. they were just, it was amazing. It was yeah. like, how many times can I fold these? Right. Well, it's um, how many turns are you supposed to do? You're supposed to do, because you do the trifold, you do the book fold, uh-huh. you do the original pack, and then you start book folding it, and what, you do six turns? You so do as many as, you, as can. you can. Oh, okay. Right, and then the more you do, the like, more fabulous. Sure, because you just get layer, layer. And layer. By, the, by the way that I use the word fabulous, you can tell that I am gay. Yes. <laughs> 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 and I should also say that everyone should come to the show. The only off-site show we have this year for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival is Wednesday, March 4th at El Rio. It's going to be at 9 o'clock. It's going to be an amazing show. El Rio is an incredible venue slash bar slash queer space. Really super great. It's going to be hosted by Polly Pop-Tart. Five queen. Awesome. Oh <laughs> be still my beaten heart. Uh her outfits every time I am wowed. I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm like, teach us, teach me a master class on contour, <laughs> please. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Sharon Burser. This is going to be like a speed round of some Call Me Tim. We've got some comedians in the house. We're going to get Casey McNeil all the way from Boston in here. And uh, hey, we'll be right back. Okay. Podcast awesome. number two of uh, Radio Comedy Festival Day Two. Interview number two on Some Call Me Tim. I am joined by Casey McNeil out of Boston. What up? Okay. That's a nice hot, hot, hot one. Uh, yeah, well, you'll find I don't need a really hot mic anyway. Uh, we had Kevin M. Quigley here yesterday, and yeah. he was a joy. I think people from Boston are hilarious and amazing, and your whole scene is doing something right out there well the night is young the Um, night is young so we'll see uh this is good this is kind of a 
I have a podcast on Wednesdays called Some Call Me Tim, where I ask people, and they don't necessarily have to be comedians, they're just people, but I, I have them look deep into the eyes of Sparkle Jesus, who's behind you, uh, and I ask them, do you believe in Jesus? I like Sparkle Jesus. Uh, yeah, so Case, Casey McNeil out of Boston, Massachusetts, looking deep into the eyes well, Sparkle I Jesus. Quali- I gotta qualify the question. I gotta qualify the question, though. Ah, uh, fine, fair. Okay, so do I believe he existed? Do I believe he was a person? Do I believe he did some cool stuff and gave exactly his, like his TED talks, like you said? Yes, of course, I believe he, he was. He was, you know, the OG and all that stuff. You know, do I believe that it's all magic? No, probably not so much. Do you believe he was the son of God? Uh, do you? Dep- well, let me back up. Do you believe in God? I believe in a higher power. I believe in a progenitor. All right. I believe that we have, uh, that our civilization has been, you know, helped in that over time. Some good and By some, some bad. higher power that yes, has Yes, and also no... some reptilian overlords that yeah. are running shit now down sure. here on this on, oh, on gra- ground level. Absolutely on and I was listening to you guys coming in. I was like shaking my fist all the way because I... You know, I've been at the top of my game. I made like, you know, 150, 200 grand a year and then back to zero again and up to zero. And yeah, you have I'm like just like real so credits. You've been on like NBC and actual Comedy well, Central. But what good on, are they? Because they're 20 years ago. I mean, I spin them really nice. But, you know, I started comedy like in the 90s and um, I got on TV pretty early in that. I had some pretty some pretty good successes early on. Yeah. And then I... I but I had kids at home to feed. It's hard, you know. You still go back to the twenty dollars shows. Sure. I had kids to feed, and I had an opportunity to go into public speaking. Oh. And so, you know, the, you For know, like the, they say gigs? the difference. Yeah. So, like, they say the difference between a, you know, the difference between a public speaker and a, or a, I should say, a stand-up comic and a humorist, thirty-five hundred dollars an hour. So. Yeah! So I, well, they asked me. They said, "Hey, we'll pay you." Initially, it wasn't that much. They said, "We'll pay you five hundred bucks a day." And we'll send you all over the world. We'll pay all your expenses. So I went everywhere, and I yeah. did. I did. I did. Com- you know, I did. I did comedy for captive audiences. You it wasn't did, like yeah. corporate comedy. It's like comedy with a message. You did comedy for capitalism. Yes, I suppose. Yeah. And that's and yeah, and, and that was kind of what happened. What went wrong? Because uh, I saw the man behind censor, the curtain. You had to censor yourself too. Well, I had to censor if you're myself doing a lot. Corporate gigs, you can't talk about. You know, you can't. Hey, you can't fuck swear. You can hear at Mutiny Radio. You can say anything you want. We're Thank on you. So yeah, you can. Yesterday, they just couldn't stop talking about dicks. I'm like, God damn uh, it, comedians. Gosh darn it. You, yeah, well, you nothing wrong gigs, with the word. They could get more original, but... Yeah, <laughs> but on a corporate gig, there's it's just like the seven words you can't say. You oh, know, I know. Or, well, the thing, too, is about a lot of corporates, if we try to do corporate comedy, you know, they always do that thing where they say, you know, like, oh, can you come dressed in drag and then pop out of a cake? or what? You know, it's yeah. like, no. You know, it's like, if you pay me for what I do, I'll I'll put my rep on the line that I'll I'll, I'll make them laugh. Sure. If you want me to do what you want in my voice, that you know it's not gonna it's not gonna be funny at all. Well, I mean, then it's they're hiring a trained monkey. They're like, <laughs> yeah. Do, do well, and they also and then they always set you up like, oh, go tell the president, you know, talk about his funny looking nose. He loves that. Oh, you know, like yeah, yeah right. Well, I haven't got the check yet, so. Uh, yeah. Uh, so you you do you must believe in God because you sold your soul to capitalism. Well, <laughs> here's what or happened. You must not okay, in God. you really want to know my religious story because yeah, it's quite absolutely 100 percent, 100 percent. That's what right. this, that's what the show's about. I mean, but we really because this shit is meaningful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As he says, shit. This shit is meaningful. Shit, shit man. <laughs> 
Well, okay. <laughs> I was I was born um, and raised in an Episcopalian house, which is like you know Catholic light. Catholic light, not as much kneeling. And, yeah, right. It's like it's liturgical, so they have the year-round thing. It's gonna fuck with yeah, yeah, you bet. Oh, there's a charger right in front of you, that little white box. You can just plug straight into that little white box. Oh, see how much smarter I would have been if I had listened to you first. So, in that family, my father was was religious. um, And it was, I felt like it was a, created that good, nice sort of upbringing in that. Which is cool, but... You know, I got to be a teenager and I figured that, like, the one thing I, you know, you get cynical and all that. And the one thing I could... The one constant I can see about religion is that more people have been killed in the name of it sure. than anything in in history, right? Sure. And continue to be. So then I got more confused, and I started to get philosophical. Maybe Jesus is a time traveler. Maybe he was this. Maybe he's that. You know, maybe he's an alien. Of course, he's an alien by definition. He'd be an alien, but <clears throat> was he an illegal alien? I guess is the question <laughs> for the Reds. Um, so then I fell away a lot, and and I was trashing my life in a lot of ways, but. It was the 80s, though. That was like you were... Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, I was like part of, you know, the world citizenry in the (laughs) 80s, so we were all ruining our lives. Sure. A lot Um, of cocaine then. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the good stuff. Um, (laughs) So you're you're trying to philosophically grapple with Jesus. But then get this. I I played rock and roll, so I I was a weekend guy, you know, in that rock band. And this guy joined a band that was a Mormon. Oh. And I thought, oh, well, I'm going to watch this guy, and I'm going to find something... Turned out to be the coolest guy ever. He still runs a great sound studio now, so, um, Summit Entertainment, Provo, Utah, Bryce Johnson. Provo. And he said, and I said, oh, man, Provo. so teach me something about this thing you got going on. I got hot on this chick that I liked that was also a Mormon, right? And so I learned about the thing, and I you joined that church. about the special underwear. Oh, I wore it for 14 years. Shut up. No way. Yeah, see, how, I'm telling you. You were a Mormon for 14 years. You were a Mormon for 14 years. Yes. <gasps> special underwear, no coffee, no no I've been alcohol. in. I have been in the temple and everything, my dear. What? Yes. What? Which one in San Diego? In I've no, been in, in several. In Utah? Did you go to the one in San Diego? No, I have been in uh, Utah. I've been. In, I've been right outside the Holy of Holies in wow. Utah. Wow. Uh, I was married in two different what? temples. I was. I was twice married. I'm on my third marriage. Wow. You my was... first two marriages. Two marriages were Mormon. You can get divorced in Mormonism, or were you doing polygamy? As a man, it's not. As a man, you, you never get divorced. You just you just stay. You just can't, yeah. And in, in they say that when you're in, when you're in your the planet, afterlife, you, you know the the poly thing works itself out. Well, yeah, because you have to you have to make your own planet be populated by your prodigy. Yeah, right. So yeah, right. So you know. You did you now? Did you drink? You drank the Kool Aid a hundred percent with the Mormons? Were you like yeah? Oh yeah, I was all in. You were like I'm gonna get my own planet oh yeah that's right i was all in i was all and you had in kid. all the special underwear yes and you and i had all the fantastic connections that go with right because it. it's the temple recommends and uh, yeah but also recommends. you know all of the all to- the back slapping we'll take care of you son because you're in you know you're in the club when you're in the club uh, but what's cool though about the mormon church is i'm not going to slam on those guys because when it comes to when it comes to the, the, the structure of family, I'm not going to talk about the practice of people or what they do wrong or whatever, but what the structures are set up in, in a really sort of communal, Love that. you know, nurturing way to, sure. the, to, the, to the organization. Like if I went into a Mormon church right now and asked for $10,000, they'd loan it to me. Wow. So are you still Mormon? No. No. But they would have me back anytime. I mean, they never excommunicated me. Wow. If, if they ever brought me up, I guess they might. I don't know. But I, wow. Wow. 
But yeah, so I so then I once I once just like in the corporate world, I see the man behind the curtain. I see all this bullshit. I see all the the religion is is selling people up the river. And it's about money and it's about power. And then I see the weird shit now that they have going through where priests are talking about, well, pedophilia is not killing and it's not as bad as murder and abortion is worse than like crazy shit. And I know people that are that are the that are the illegitimate offspring of priests wow. that have were secret babies their whole lives that never had identities to themselves. Wow. Yeah. I never ever even thought of that concept. So I said that is mind blowing. Neither did I until I met one. Wow. I met a, a lovely woman. I've heard about nuns that have gotten pregnant and have secretly given their babies to like their sister or their mom and that somebody covered for them and yeah, that and they you'll know the yeah, but the babies find out eventually. Well especially eventually in this day they and age. find out that their aunt is their mom, absolutely. But that yeah, that's I never thought about priests. I never thought about the dudes. Oh yeah. Because I mean, that's a position of power. That's like Oh yeah. Like religious sexual harassment that's really that's really mind blowing to me. Yeah, wow. and their stories, every person's story is like a documentary in itself. If you've heard I've heard like three different stories and they're oh, amazing. That's crazy. Yeah, because you grow up like you know, not just not just like adopted, not just like Right. But when you find that out, it's really weird, especially right. if you find out young. Yeah. Some of them go to orphanages, a lot of oh. them went to orphanages. Do they even have those anymore? I think they call them group homes. Well, the ones that people that I knew were from like England and that sort of oh, thing sure, too. Sure, a lot sure. of them. So, so what? Why did you leave the Mormon Church? Well, uh, you know, I I smoke and I smoke weed and I sweet you know, yeah. So do everyone here in the weed uh, festival joint. I smoke my body weight now, but I. <laughs> but the thing was that the the Mormon Church like it rescued me in a way from perhaps wallowing and and not moving forward in some ways in my my world because when i Resting got clean and laurels. sober from from that and got in a very nurturing and nice relationship and having children and doing the happy family shit and all sure, that stuff it works sure. out you know okay but then when you start realizing like oh man this draconian bullshit about women and this this thing that you know and, and you and you can talk to your wife and go we're not about that no i'm not about that i'm not about we don't we're, but then you're in the things like being a catholic that goes you know I use birth control or whatever. Sure, 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 sure. So people it's think like Mormons Jew- are all like super fundamentalists or it's, something. They're it's not. like Jewish people that eat pork. I, I know a lot of, I know, I know a good handful of good Jews that eat bacon. And they make that choice and they say, well, that old, they say, well, that's standard from the Bible. It was about pigs being unclean and it doesn't, it was something from far ago. And yeah, right, right. But all that stuff is it's like back yeah. in the back in the Bible. That's one thing too, is that I learned a lot of this, this history. But then when you start realizing, well, Maybe ancient aliens and all that, you yeah, know, is a lot more likely. I think that squids, giant squids and cephalopods are all actually aliens because Could their be. eyes are kind of on the side of their head. They're these gelatinous beings that live in like really high gravity, low gravity, whatever. They're under the water that we couldn't handle it. We would it made our little heads explode. But it, same thing in space. We would implode our little heads and the same thing down there. But those squids, those giant squids, they're swimming around. What if those were space squids and they were on some weird asteroid as space squid and they landed here? And why all the cephalopods? Look at it. Look at a motherfucking cuttlefish. It could what be. What the any fuck of these is are, that? Well, or the, or the aliens could have come down here and, and created all kinds of hybrids. and Because, cre- you know, the ancient alien theory is essentially that we, we came to, to a certain point of evolution and they came down here and said, well, we need people to be slave race. 
these guys aren't you know they're not going to listen to us and they're not very smart so we're going to improve their dna sure because here's the thing about Our dna when you talk about intelligent design yeah. okay Potentially, it's a lot more likely aliens than anything else. Even God would be, by definition, an alien. But, sure. Yes, absolutely. 100%. But the guy who discovered the, the genome, the guy that actually decoded the genome, once said that, that you know, the, the Earth is like, however how, however old it is, it's right. not that old compared to the rest of the universe. Then, right? And he said in the, in the age of the world, you would have a better chance of assembling a fully functional DNA genome from uh, flying a, from uh, you, you'd have a better chance of assembling a 747 by blowing a hurricane through a junkyard <laughs> than for DNA to have happened by accident. He sure, said the earth sure. is not old enough. Sure. Now the other explanation for that though is what's called panspermia. Now if you know what that is. I don't know what that is. Yeah. Panspermia is where they say well the DNA is hurling through space on, on comets right. and meteors and then it hits here. In trapped water or ice or whatever. Right yeah. and so then it hits here and it mixes with the stuff that's here and, yeah. the, and it's born. That's I believe more but, than that. So, so we didn't, it didn't actually create create itself here it was transported from that that's what i believe because i believe that the giant squid were on a huge asteroid in some weird frozen water thing and then they landed here and they're like they were in space and they could breathe and they were fine or whatever and then underwater they adapted and everything was fine because giant squid can be bigger than this building like, do you remember do you remember whales did you Where ever the see the fuck did, they come from? did you ever see the star trek um that's that, next that, gen or old school old school but okay. it, but the movies is what oh I'm okay about. sure 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 and in one of the movies the one that Leonard Nimoy directed yeah, they were in San Francisco with in the whales. San Francisco with the whales the whale, right yes. and first and the, and the first thing is they're they're over the earth and the earth is being you know evaporated and all that stuff and they're getting this message between this probe and this probe is sending this message and they go we can't decode it we can't decode it and Spock says well it's only human arrogance that assumes the message must be meant for man uh-huh yes and that's how they determined by putting it underwater that it was actually the, the whales that they were talking to all along yes yeah, it's, it's, it's perfectly so, it's, plausible it's the hubris of man no it always is ah uh, yes the hubris the, of man that's I why the good i words. believe i believe that the t-rex bones were put together wrong that the t-rex is actually a dragon because Ooh, we good. have all of this mythology about dragons we've got saint george and the dragon we get the chinese and the dragon we got the fucking dragon tattoos in the even yeah, right, in the, all right, the way right. to Denmark and we got the Japanese are into dra everyone's into motherfucking dragons yeah. and where are the dragons well T-Rex if you think about his bones it, think about him in your head he's got that weird hip cap that forces him over so that he walks on two legs yeah, like yeah. a man because of the, big, the hubris yeah the tiny little arms and the big beefy legs with the weird hip cap that forces him over that the biggest coolest dinosaur walks on two legs that's totally man because if you everything has a breastbone except the t-rex if you look at his little bones there's no breastbone but if you take that dumb hip cap and you flip it around you make it a breastbone and then those big beefy legs become big beefy wings it flew you move those tiny yeah. arms back and their little legs they Every said bird has little legs. it was a lot more likely related to the chicken right. than, than the because, lizard because those big those front little guys move them back they make them legs then you've got those big yeah. Beefy wings, and there's probably some claws on there that they can use to eat things and it's got that huge mouth and if it's on tiny legs it can dip up and down like a fucking bird and it makes me crazy because I'm not the smartest person alive and I look at the bones and I'm like this is totally true and yeah I smoke a lot of pot and maybe I'm crazy but it's the hubris <laughs> of man because the bones were found around the 33rd parallel 
which means that they fell in weird places. It wasn't like a woolly mammoth where you're like, this is the animal. Here it was, frozen in carbonite. But like, because they're all scattered. Yeah, right, right, And then some paleontologist is like, wow, look at that massive, awesome head. It must walk on two legs (laughs) because we walk on two legs. And that's how it is. Yeah. Well, there's certainly a lot of bias in science, which is another thing that pissed me off. Then big farm, like, oh, as I turned, the older I got, the more my illusions became shattered. My illusions of like trickle down economics, right. you know, that that sure. one that one left 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, but I was still a fully grown man, though, yeah. at the time that I came to that realization. You know, like there's there's this great um, cartoon that shows these two Hebrew slaves in ancient uh, Egypt, and the pyramids are in the background. And the, 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 the Egyptians over him with the whip, like cracking the whip over the top of him. And the one guy turns to the other and says, no, I don't think it's unfair. I just got to keep my nose clean, work hard, and someday I'll have my own pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the shit we were sold. That's the bill of goods that we were sold. And yeah. so all my illusions started getting shattered. Big Pharma was the next one where I'm like, you motherfuckers, because I was addicted to pills for 30 years. Wow, which pills? Uh, uh, the Oxys. Oh, Oxys, okay. I love and Benzos. I love benzodiazepines. I had those too. I was a good, like, 20 oh. milligrams of that twice a day along with everything else. Valium. Keeping uh, yeah. you calm. Oh, yeah. Good volume. Yeah. Good I started my day every day with some good Valium. So Valium and all lore tabs, all that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, those, those are my faves. Yeah. So I watched those guys get me on the stuff. I watched them prescribe it to me over the years. I watched yep. them tell me I would be on it for the rest of my life. Oh, all that. no. And I was a young hippie when I was when I was younger. Then being a Mormon and all that, I left all the pot smoking behind. Sure. And I only came back to to it in recent years and like full on like I went all the way into the dispensary business and all that yeah, shit yeah well know? it's a it's a good cessation from pills actually it's I, the yeah. best yeah. it's not a gateway drug it's, it's the gateway. it's the exit drug exactly and it's and the thing I like about it is that you can use it when you need it. When you're on some SORI uptake inhibitors, it oh. takes two weeks for efficacy, and then they never tell you when you're going to get off it. Hey. So once you get on an antidepressant of certain kinds, and it, your body gets used to it, and it's up to that level, you keep going back to your psychiatrist saying, how do I wean myself off? When do I? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, you don't. Yeah. A lot, yeah. Some and some of them say that you don't. Some of them are like, oh no, it's only supposed to be temporary. Well, I put your head together and all that. Sh-. But the fact is, the 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 system was created for greed. It was created for profit. If you haven't heard anything said by David Ike, you gotta listen to I the guy. Yeah. He's the guy that, that knows all about the lizard people and yeah, about the Anunnaki. about the conspiracies yeah. and and, the, and how they're running the world and all. But yeah. he's got like all kinds of these little weird. They're not just conspiracy theories. You put all these bits of evidence together. It's oh, quite astounding. Uh, it's quite extraordinary. Really. Well, they've been Think lying about this to bullshit now. Think about this bullshit now with the with the with the Fox News and the the shit that they come. There is not an ice cube's chance in hell that every one of those pundits could come out with the same fucked up opinion. Like, oh, yeah, the, the Democrats' powers. They're, they're they're trying to consolidate their power. Consolidate what power? For what purpose? You know, right. it's power it's for the words. ruling class. Yeah. Democrats hate the rule of law. They say everything in, in the, the, like 20 different people, 20 different shows. They'll all say the same exact message yeah. because it's all coordinated. Yeah, they all got the memo. Yeah. It's all coordinated. And because people and are stupid. I think, who's telling that person well, and no, so what to tell them? But here's the thing that where we have to back it up. I used to teach high school. And mm-hmm. in 2001, with No Child Left Behind, I saw the systematic demantling of critical thought in our education system. For 10 years... 
until Obama came back in 2000. I quit teaching in 2001 because of No Child Left Behind because I saw what they were doing. They were making a whole generation of people who don't have the ability to question anything because they removed critical thought yeah. from the curriculum That's right. for an entire... And innovation. Well, yeah. And now and they're was, still training people well, in school was, with a 150-year-old model. It was teaching. They changed it from when I was started teaching. It was a more holistic. They were starting to do more holistic learning. And then they moved it to No Child Left Behind, and they changed it to teach to the test, and this is what we have to do. And standards, what we created, standards, standards. Yeah, we, we created an entire generation, and, and it's, it's a swath. It's a huge swath of people that have no ability to look at something and put it in their brain and make their own decision about it. There is no critical thought. They take it, they believe it is truth, and that's what it is. And they look at their phone, and it says this, and they follow it. And yeah. they buy it, and they no, look at and it. And this is the thing. And this exactly. This is the They were told what to buy. You're told what your opinion is, especially the Republicans, the lower down the ladder it goes, and sort of like, you know, intellect and questioning that. Not, not, not humans in their heart. They're all beautiful, all wonderful. But the idea that, like, they're sold a bill of goods. I think that these people have, you know, most of these, re you know, Republicans that make $50,000 a year or less, they've got pure enough hearts that if somebody could show them the truth of this sure. shit, that, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not even pissing on your back and telling you it's raining anymore. They're just pissing on your back and yeah. they're telling you that you're supposed to like it and tell us why we all ought to like it. Exactly. Why we're un-American that we don't right. like it. Uh, yeah, that we're un-American. <coughs> so they're sold this message. Choice. It's a coordinated message. They're yeah. taught the message. And what David Ike says, you got to look this guy up. We'll do a YouTube of him. He calls them repeaters. And he says that the system is set up by the overlords, whoever they may be, sure. so so that newscasters are repeaters. They repeat what they're repeat what the, the message is of what, of, what, of what the of what of he, the he would say is the Rothschilds message, whatever sure. the Rothschilds message is to the world. Sure. So the money making right. message, the cover up message to keep the money making. Exactly. The moving. Epstein message, all that right. shit. Yeah. So they're repeaters. And then he goes down the list of all and then he teachers for repeaters. That, yeah. this, and I realized that as a person who's like a public speaker and a trainer in that, that I've like learned to train people in all these things that really just serve like you know oh, what these people aren't fucking productive enough for you what what i'm supposed to improve their productivity fuck the fuck off yeah you know yeah. you're gonna pay more for that maybe they're doing the bare minimum because that's a fucking art form you know <laughs> what i mean like work your whole you can't imagine these people like work their whole career and do the bare minimum that's beauty but these guys taught me to sell the wrong message and that's when i totally got out of the thing i have a phd in psychology you have a, a phd in psychology yes and a lot of people don't know it because i don't you never see it in my stuff. You got if you look, if you Google me in that, you'll find it. But I got I got to taking myself way too seriously, and I realized that even things like, like, university education and 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 some of the nomenclature like PhD this and doctor that and what, it's all a bunch of bullshit, and, it, it and, and it's set up to imply that a person who has this title or this education, or this academic background, or this or that, or that, is somehow a more important person in the world than you. I was, they somehow know more than you. They have. They somehow. Well, they're wiser. You do. They're know. wiser. Well, they're not wiser. You, Just because you have academic knowledge, some. But, but let you me say, with some people, age comes wisdom. With some people, age comes by itself. Sure. <laughs> I, I, I've, I, I ate the party line about education makes you more entitled to things and, and it hasn't necessarily come to fruition. I have, I have an MFA, I have an MA no. and an MFA. Look at all my but degrees, they haven't just, done anything for me. Wait, well, they're, they're just pieces of paper that make my kitchen look cool. Yeah. Like I have all the advanced degrees, but they don't, 
they sold me a line that didn't necessarily happen that I believed in. But thank goodness I never had student loans. I never had. I paid everything in cash. I never had any student loans. Well, um, I so had I was some able of that to. Stuff, but I had, you know, I didn't go to college until I was thirty years old. Though. I mean, oh. I went. I went right after high school. What a week that was. And then I, I dropped <laughs> out. I didn't go back till you know I was like thirty or something. Twenty twenty eight. Till you wanted to learn. And, and then, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. So then I worked a full time job and I went to school at night. And I, and I got my I got my MBA when I was like forty two. I got my PhD when I was forty four. So I'm wow. so. Wow. Wow. It took forever, but I just. What I'm saying though is that it's all again part of the overlord system mm-hmm. to set up to go, you know. We give you, you know, you've educated yourself in this, but what have you learned? You have learned to do more of what our bidding is. Sure, sure, absolutely. Yes. You're never going to crack the code on the 3%. I don't care how many <laughs> no. fucking degrees you get. We're, we're us and you're crack you. The code. I don't no, me I either. don't believe in money. That's the whole thing. Me either. I think money is I I, I get so angry now. Oh, let's see. This is uh we got a we got a call in. Oh, yay. We got a call in. Here we go. Uh you on the headphones, you can hear. Okay, good. Hey, caller. Uh, hey, this is a message from 2020 Healthcare Advisors. We looked through our records. Oh, my and God. <laughs> I love oh, it. Oh, that's awful. We looked to our records, and we found that we still have your phone we, number. Yeah, we file. found that you're, this isn't even a real person. I was hoping it was a <laughs> prank call. I was, uh, we have some comedians uh, that know the number of the phone, yeah. and I'm like, call anytime you want. And yeah, you can right. say Please. you're anything. So, it would, yeah. Good, good news. Time. Yeah, it's. Um, so the system is set up, it's rigged, oh. it's bullshit, and this is the homeless thing too that I wanted to say about earlier. How is a person who's homeless expected to not be homeless anymore? And let me tell you one prevailing factor that nobody ever talks about in all of the details that they talk about. Let's say that I'm able to scrape up the money. For first and last month rent. First and last month. First and last and a security deposit, sure. let's say. Let's say I got four grand. I'm in Boston. I got six grand. I'm going shopping for an apartment. Nobody is going to rent that to me because my FICO score is not going to be enough for them. Like Warren Buffett's FICO score is like fucking 600 and something. He's a multi-billionaire. But the FICO scores is, a, is, a, is, is, a, is like loan approval processes that are done by algorithm and algorithms are set up to make lucky people luckier and unlucky people unluckier. Huh? Wow. It's a very important thing to understand sure. because you guys talk about homelessness. They say, oh, and he, I heard the comedian from Colorado. Was it? Yeah. <clears throat> was talking about all oh, back in the sixties people, they did this thing and we worked hard and we got our own homes and we did. Yeah. Well, you didn't have a 500 page background report to do on yourself. You didn't have a FICO score you had to qualify for to buy your house. Right. You, you didn't even need the kind of down payment that you need now for some of that stuff. Sure. Black people never had a fucking chance. No, not an ice cubes chance in hell. And there were some from neighborhoods. 40 acres say, and a mule. They yeah. haven't had a fucking chance. Absolutely. And so then today everybody goes, oh, why doesn't people work harder? Why don't they just suck it up? Why don't they? It's a completely different life. It's not even the same fucking world it's, at it's all. Like, it's like uh, we were white people were running the race. We were running a race. And then in, 19, in the 50s, we're like, you know what? You can run the race too. But instead of having them run the race where we are and starting where we are, or they could start where we are, but then they have huge shackles and they have to, they have huge shackles Ugh. and they're trying to run. And we're like, why aren't you fast enough? You're in the race now. No. Hey, you're in the race now. But we completely cut them off at the legs and yeah. said, hey, how about this? <laughs> so it's just, it's completely. Unfair. Yeah, talent is equal, opportunity is not. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, it's crazy here in San Francisco because w the way I live my lifestyle, I can either make over $42,000 or under $18,000 and I still have the exact same lifestyle. I understand Exactly that. the same. Because when I make under $18,000, I have Medi-Cal, I have food stamps, and I can fucking survive. If I go above that threshold and I make any more money than that, I'm screwed until I make forty-two thousand because yeah, and my then you're screwed. And then if you make forty-two thousand, you're screwed until you make eighty because right. forty-two is not going to be enough for anything. It, it, it's only going to be enough for you to be denied every kind of social service that you might be entitled exactly. to. Exactly, and in the city, it's so expensive that I would live. I honestly would live the exact same lifestyle if I. But I either have to make under eighteen or I have to make over forty-two. So I gotta hustle, and that's what I do. You know, to keep the space open, and that's the other thing. The city does not the world does not want free speech community no, run don't. socialist marxist leaning ideas i feel so at home ideas. in here you have no idea yay yeah, yeah I mean, i'm a I'm fuck, a, I'm a fucking rub i'm a rebel i'm a I'm not an anarchist, but I'm on the waiting list. Okay, <laughs> so I'm I'm telling you, for a guy, people look at me and they go, "Oh man, what, he's gonna go home and pull his maga cap on and watch TV or something." Yeah, it's like I'm, I'm not that fucking guy at all. Casey McNeil out of Boston here right. on a very special. Some call me Tim. Uh, run through those credits from the early '90s. I want to hear. I was a uh, finalist of the NBC Tonight Show Comedy Challenge. Um, I did. Uh, I did uh, I, one of the coolest things that I did at the time was I did even at the Improv at uh, Las Vegas, and it was at the time the Riviera Hotel. Cool. And Steve Sharippa was the entertainment director at the Riviera. Steve Sharippa was the guy that played uh, somebody Bonaduce. He's one of the Soprano <gasps> guys. Danny Bonaduce. Yes. Yeah, no, not Danny, Danny Bon. Not, not you know, but the Bonaduce, whatever his name is. Yeah, the, that guy. The guy. Oh my the big, god. Yeah, giant Steve Shripa. The guy is a fucking monster. He's got to be like six five. He must weigh three hundred pounds, and he is the meanest ass gangster in real life. And this is years before Sopranos. Years so before he was an actor. He was just the entertainment director. You wear this tuxedo. He was huge. You go. How many t-shirts did you sell tonight? How many t-shirts? How many though? You know, we did three shows a night. Yeah, you had a hawk t-shirt. You had to get tickets. Oh, and those midnight shows were the fucking worst, man. Because people have been spent, they've been gambling all day. They spent all their money. They got comp tickets to the show. So they're like, that's not fucking funny. Two drink minimum. What's this? Uh. <laughs> so, but we did we did 21 shows a week. Whoa. But the good news is, is you could eat you could eat you could eat in the commissary. And what back then you never saw, you've never lived until you've gone into a blackjack dealer's. Uh, in the 90s, their lounge. Because they're all just like fucking chain smokers and they're all miserable as fuck yeah. in there. And so you go down to the commissary and it all smells like smoke. Like, hey, could you waft some more emphysema up here for me? Yeah. And, but you got to eat in the, in the, in the um, commissary and they provided the room. But that guy, he was running the shows for like four different casinos at the time. Wow. When I, when I first did that gig. I did Catch a Rising Star at the MGM at that time. Wow. I did Boston's Catch a Rising Star in the old days. I worked In those days, it's funny because I, I don't even know what to put on some of my resume stuff now because like I don't want to say stuff like oh I opened for Margaret Show actually Margaret Show was in the w was an equal with me at the time sure, you know sure, what I'm saying course, but, yeah. but I just go oh I opened for her because you know right. nobody will nobody will I don't want to say they won't believe it but they're just like oh what 
Oh, right. he worked with all these people. Well, there's because they were all young comics back then. There's also something called ageism that I'm sure that <laughs> oh, you come really? up against. In I do. Hey, I'm 45. Oh boy, do I, Casey? I, I understand. I'm 45. I didn't come to comedy until I was 36, and all these young kids, then these 21 year old kids just graduated from Berkeley, and they're like, "I'm the smartest person alive, and you're an old bitch." And it's like. You have you don't no understand. idea what my life has. You have no idea what I've been through. You have no. I'm not going to wear a T-shirt that says I have two master's degrees. You little no. fuckface. I'm not going to. I don't have to do that because I'm not a 20 year old. Little well, my mental disorders, among which, not least of which, this is one I don't do a bit of, but it's called rejection sensitive dysphoria, <laughs> which essentially means that I don't like it when people don't like me. Yeah, I, right? I think I might have rejection. So <laughs> yeah, everybody has a little bit of it. So, so but, but um, it has caused me. A little bit of detriment in a way to my act because in my fear that I don't have relevancy, mm. I will pander sometimes. It's like I can write a joke. For, you know, I understand the mechanics of joke writing. Sure. The joke may not be from the heart. It may not be the most beautiful joke in the world, but I can put a joke together. Sure. So I get in front of a group of twenty somethings, you know, nineteen to twenty somethings, and I and I was for a long time. I, when I first came back, I was like away from the small stage for fifteen years. Sure. So I come back to small stage and I'm like, you know, I can't j- jokes from the fucking nineties. Are you kidding me? That you know, they, they do my whole act on one episode of, of Family Guy. It's like it's sure. just it's so it's it's just ancient this shit. Right. So I had to write a new act, by and large. I never do topical stuff, but I had to write by and large, at least update some shit. And um I get into these to these rooms with these young kids, and I'm like, oh so here's my dick joke. Here's my Tinder joke. Right, here's my dick joke. Right. I don't right, exactly. I go, I hope my wife swipes right tonight. You know, it's like just, I, I, I got I to gotta find it. And then I find I'm pandering to them. And then I, before I know it, I got a 45-minute act that only 20-something kids who are drunk on, you know, Narragansett beer and PBRs. I love Narragansett. I know, they're, they're the only beer. people who are good. Like, I'll never do the cruise ship if I keep that, if, if I keep that as my, my type 45 or sure, whatever. Sure, sure. You know, and the cruise ship's where the money is for a guy exactly. like Exactly. But I mean, they they ask for different things. I don't know if I could see. Here's I, the thing I with the cruise dirty. ship. Now, I, well, here's the thing. I had to learn clean. Yeah. Because when I first started in the business, I started in Mormon land in Utah. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, okay. So, like, the the good news is your audience is sober. Yeah. Which can be good news because so they can follow callback. And stuff, right. You right. Know? <laughs> so they're sober. They're not like they're not mean like they're not like my impression of a Mormon heckler is like excuse me you are somewhat less than we had anticipated you know so <laughs> they, you know they, they don't really give you any guff you know um, but hilarious. but you, but you have to work clean for them sure and sometimes even more than just clean like the rule for but the you club can't, was yeah, yeah. TV not clean. just not swearing but like not no masturbation conceptually jokes, conceptually you conceptually had to be very clean, yeah, clean exactly. for them. Sure. And so I learned to write clean early on because I couldn't do any time in the only club in town if I didn't if do, didn't. if my type five wasn't, yeah. wasn't Mormony, wasn't sure. like it came, like it could, should be in the Sears and Robot catalog. But I could sell that act in the 90s. But here's the thing that's good today is that cruise ships, one of the things they like, aside from, you know, you did dry bar or whatever, but one of the things that they like is that you could play family if you needed to. You could MC. Sure. You can do adult. Sure. You can do clean. Right. You can do. You have you know. to be versatile because they need you to wear many hats. It's only one ship, oh. and there you go. No, hey, I, 
but uh, nobody will tell you how to get on them. By the way, no, I'm nobody sure. will tell you how to get. No, because it's a secret, and it you got to figure that shit out for yourself if you want to do no, it. No, but your best, hard. your best, your own fucking mother would not tell you how to get booked on a Caribbean on a, on a, on a ship. Sure, or uh, a cruise. But you know, I hope that people are out to help each other, like Jesus. You know, treat your neighbor as yourself. Be cool. Just everybody, be cool. Well, here's the thing: people will, people I find, like I'm older now, and. I'm not, you know, if, if I made it just, just for laughs or I did something extraordinary, I got, it had another, you know, America's Got Talent or something that became relevant and contemporary that I could sell or spin the right way. Um, it'd be, I'd look for the, for the big number, but I'm not looking for that. I just want to work. I want to, I want to work. I want to apply my craft. I want to laugh. And I want to help people laugh. That's all I want to do. So I don't have quite the competitive nature that some of these young guys do. I curate comedy. I, I, I have a TV show I produce in, oh, in Cambridge. Um, this all free speech stand-up for cool, television. Cool. We just got picked up in the New York market by Bronx.net, Cambridge Comedy Underground. Check us out yeah. on Facebook. and Cambridge um, Comedy Underground. Yeah, check us out on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, CCTV is the, the station where we record it, and it's shown in the, in the Boston market and in the New York market. Now. That's exciting. So they're starting to pick it up. I didn't even know they could do that, but apparently other stations are starting to want it. So I try to get them up. I'm not quite as competitive as the young kids, but... Um, but you got the experience. You have the past. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I have to the past. To into the future. <clears throat> so I don't know why kids don't... Nobody will help you get booked. They'll help you. With, they'll be very generous with true? notes That's for your act. All. Well, I disagree because I know well, I'm, Alex I'm Giampapa has helped me out so much. Alex? Yes. Alex and is my sweetie boy. He is amazing. And um, Ben Quick is just a lovely human being. And oh, Chris you know, Post, a couple of my homies. Chris Post is also comedy, a, comedy, a, comedy. a, a yeah, Bud Chris Light Post can is, come to life. Love no, him. Chris Post is a good dude. He's, uh, they've all been at the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival a couple times, so they're good guys. Yeah, Chris yeah. Post is a funny comic. He yeah. almost... Took the Boston Comedy Festival again this year. I was there with them all the way to the finals. Janet McNamara also almost. I don't know if you know who she is. No, I don't know Kathleen DeMarle, I asked about the, oh, to give uh, me the 411 on you. She was, she was here last place. year. I'm like, so tell me. What, what did she say? Tell did me she about say the everything festival. Was good? Oh, tell me about the festival. You want to know what she said? Yeah, oh, I, do, I do. She said, you're going to get a lot of edibles while you're there. I said, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> we got festival joints. Then, <laughs> I got to make the edibles. The problem is I've been here. I was here 12 hours yesterday, so I didn't have time to. But I will right. go home. I have all the stuff at home to make another bed. I found that like the – and Kevin Quigley and I are staying together. Yeah, that's great. And I found that, that that there's a uh, dispensary like a two blocks from our from the that's place perfect. we're staying. And we'll so. smoke. We'll blaze up a festival joint right now. This has uh, been Casey McNeil and Sharon Berzer was on earlier right. for Some Call Me Tim Special Edition. And this was the second podcast in the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. Join us at noon for another one. All right, uh, enjoy. Listen to 12 Hours of Comedy live here, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. every day this week until Saturday at 11 p.m. And uh, you get to experience all these great comics. Thanks for being here on Some Call Me Tim. Yay! Yay! your boy Sifo here here to let you know that the fifth annual mutiny radio comedy festival is march 1st through 7th 
2020 with special podcasts and comedy shows, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. all week. Get your tickets now on Eventbrite. Just search Mutiny Radio and get ready for 76 comics from all over the U.S. coming for 66 programs in seven days all here at 2781 21st Street in the heart of the mission. Or if you can't be with us, listen live or podcast from anywhere in the world at www.mutinyradio.fm. Join us March 1st to 7th for these amazing events. What kind of a future? Law Tigers, we fight for motorcyclists. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Law Tigers watches over riders. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle.